0: Hello friends and welcome back to another episode of the intro. This is your host Matt Delavalle aka MDV and I'm joined today on the show by none other than James Hobart. James is one of my very good friends, he's also one of the most decorated and highly regarded coaches in the CrossFit and functional training space. He's been on CrossFit seminar staff for almost a decade, he's been a flow master on that team for a very long time, but James is also one of the most accomplished Games athletes ever. And especially if you're considering the games team competition games is a multi-time games team champion not only with crossfit mayhem but with crossfit new england and that's where i first met james many years ago in natick massachusetts at cfne james and i go way back and we love talking coaching james has been a guest on the intro in the past and he's going to be a guest on the intro in the future and i hope you enjoy this episode Now, if you're a coach or a gym owner out there, you should check us out at NC Fit Collective and see what we're doing with programming and coaching development. I really think we're doing some of the best stuff out there. Not only do we have four amazing programs that gym owners can choose to run within their gyms, but also we have an amazing coaching development system built into that programming. Every single day, we deliver really detailed session plans and coach videos to help your trainers not only go out there and deliver a great class in the moment, but get out there and continue their education and really become amazing trainers. So please check us out at The Collective. I talk a lot about coaching on my social media at MDV underscore FIT is where you can find me on Instagram. Give me a follow there. And without further ado, let's learn a thing or two from James Hobart. So grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's go.
1: All right, ladies and gents and welcome back to the intro on the show today my good friend one of the best trainers out there in the CrossFit functional training space James Hobart James was an icon is an icon on CrossFit seminar staff multi time CrossFit games affiliate cup champion individual athlete accolades all the stuff that you could ever want in the one of the best trainers out there James welcome to the show. I
2: appreciate that, man. That's a, that's a heck of an intro, but uh, MD, yeah, I'm grateful
1: for it. So. Yeah, well, every word of it deserved, every word of it earned. Um, I'm excited to just to chat training with you today, James, because obviously we go way back early days of CrossFit New England again faster back in the <laughs> mid 2000s. And we've been doing this stuff for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I've i got some things here that I just want to kind of throw out there. And then let's get into it because you are currently an owner of uh, CrossFit gym in Boston, CrossFit Boston. You are running a programming and coaching development organization along with a few other gents, the Ham Plan. You got a whole other host of things on. So you got your hands in many pots, and uh, just give us a rundown, of like kind of where you're situated right now in the uh, in the training space. W- what's going on in your life?
2: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, we chatted about uh, earlier when we, we, we were just catching up, um, you know, nothing, I would say super new yet, but mm. also nothing, that's not a bad thing, you know, um, our gym up in mass, we, um, our COVID restrictions have, have lifted slightly, I mean, athletes are back in the gym, we're doing classes inside, classes outside, we still have a mask mandate, but honestly, the members have been absolutely amazing, um, we've been getting a couple new members here and there. And, um, you know, we've adapted really well and our membership has adapted really well. So the gym part, um, you know, I think in this environment, you would always want it to be better. But honestly, I would say all things considered, it's going well. Um, Been running and working uh, with the ham plan as a a partner there with Austin Spencer and and, now Travis Herbanek and uh, just continuing to grow that, you know, and then we see the same thing there, which is really awesome. Just the, you know, really positive growth, you know, on the individual side, of course, but my interest mostly is on the affiliate side, you know, providing resources for affiliates. And it's nice to see growth on that side, because what that tells me is that um, in different, definitely in the U.S., I think internationally, it's it's a much, much harder struggle, um, depending, you know, country to country, but definitely in the U.S., like seeing, you know, new affiliates come on board with us, which tells me that gyms are opening back up Mm. people you know still want to work out in person um which is really nice to see you know i'm seeing in a small window but um you know that's really exciting uh personally i'm going to give the uh cross the games age group qualifiers a shot i'll be uh, i'm I'm a 35 masters this year (laughs) you know that was uh it it was funny it was something um and this is you know selfish personal but i wasn't really paying attention to it. I always do the CrossFit Games Open because I just really like it. Um, mm. You know, I like the the global competitive feature of it. I like that there's a leaderboard with somebody who's first and someone who's 250,000. Like, I just think it's a really cool idea. Mm. And, um, but I would, you know, I do it every year and I mean, you know, I probably always will, you know, regardless of where my fitness is at. And this year, my fitness is probably the, you know, in my terms, you know, the, the, not the best it's ever been. Mm. Um, so I was kind of just put in scores and, you know, finish the first and second workout. And, um, my, my, uh, Cassandra, my wife, her sister and her mom reached out to me and said, Hey, congratulations. You're doing really well in the open. And I went and tracked myself on the worldwide leader board and, and, you know, I, my score was lower than it has been in, in previous years. And I was like, well, yeah, I said, you know, relatively, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. But I was like, for what I want to do, I'm not doing that great. And then they said, you know, I told them, I said, well, thanks anyway. And then they said, no, 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 on your age group. And that didn't even occur to me that I was in the masters this year. <laughs> and I went with the age group. And I guess I was like in the top, I was like 20 something or top 20. And I was like, oh, damn, you know, yeah. and it got me really excited. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm going to commit what time I do have to training as, and just going to try and give it a shot. And, you know, just, just see what happens. But it's, it's been, it's been fun to like think of myself as a competitor in
1: that way again, because I haven't really thought that way in four years. Hold, hold your horses, buddy, because let me just interrupt some of this stuff right now, because you, let's talk about how patently ridiculous, first of all, it is that at 35 you were labeling James Hobart, one of the fittest men on the face of the earth as a master. I just want to, want to put that out there that like, <laughs> This is, yeah. we're, 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 talking about different degrees of master here. Like you are still fit, capable, strong, probably fitter than most people out there. And, uh, it's really cool to hear that you're excited about training. again. I bet that your own fitness level is still astronomically higher than most people out there. And <laughs> yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about, about that,
2: it. but you, you always, you always compare yourself to yourself. Right. And it's, oh, that's, um, that's true. And, uh, but it, it, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good lesson and cause there are definitely ways I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm not as fit as the other guy was, but, um, there are, there are a lot of ways where I think I am better now. And, um, I do like that. And like I said, it's been a, su- it's been super fun training a little bit more.
1: Um, yeah. So this is, this is an interesting place to start because I, we're talking about, you know, your life has changed over the past three, four years, uh, in, in many ways, you know, professionally, personally, you rewind three or four years ago and, you know, now you're down in Cookville, Tennessee and you're working out for essentially a living. You were training uh, as a professional athlete to compete in the CrossFit games. And then you kind of fast forward four years and you're probably working out and on a more modest schedule. You got other things that you need to do and say and be. And what, what, what do you feel like the major differences there between four years ago, James, and now James are aside from the physical, you know, hey, I'm stopped training a little bit, but like do you do you think that you've gained or you've lost things in in those four years?
2: Um, you know, like like specific things, you know, like objective things. Like I don't think my one rep max squats, I know my one rep max squat snatch isn't as great. Mm. Um, you know, like that kind of stuff has definitely changed. Um but, you know, I feel like and it's been a it's been a A conscious decision. And I know we've chatted about this before, but I do feel like other areas of my life um, are fuller. There's more going on in there. I mean, I was wholly committed to competing and like you said, training for it as a full-time job. And now it's, you know, I've I've bought and owned multiple small businesses. You know, I got married. Um, You know, I've just investigated different areas of my own personal life focused on different areas. You know, like I eat better than I ever have, which is a crazy thing to think about. Like I never really cared about nutrition when I was training. I mean, I did to the extent from a fuel perspective, but as far as a quality perspective, um, you know, I've taken deeper dives into, and I don't love this term. Cause I think you hear this term and it's jargony and everybody's eyes glaze over another fitness, another fitness, uh, person talking about whole, wholesome living, you know, and I think I have a more holistic approach, though, to my life. And that's because like, I pay more attention to like, what I'm eating, how I'm sleeping, you know, you know, what other things am I doing that impact my overall physical, mental, emotional health. Hmm. And, um, you know, I've given myself more time to pay attention to those things. And that, that's definitely been the change. And um,
1: well, that's, that's super interesting in and of itself. Because like, if you just, if you just wrote down on paper, Hey, I have this guy who trains X number of hours per day. It's his main pursuit. You just wrote down facts. And then you wrote down facts on another sheet of paper. Hey, you have this other guy who owns multiple businesses. He trains, but he only trains like one hour a day. He's got a wife. He's got blah, blah, blah. If you just put those two things down on paper next to one another and you said, hey, which guy pays better attention to his sleep, his nutrition, his quality of life in order to maximize (laughs) performance? 10 out of 10 people would be like, "Oh, this dude over here, the fitness is guy, a yeah, professional athlete. Like, what explain that to me? Because that's kind of like a paradox. What like what's going on there?"
2: Yeah, I I think that the game training for me it's like I think I could have been better if I paid attention to some of those things, but I think it's kind of like this this dog with a bone mentality. You know, it's like you have this super singular goal and um, you know, you can just drive one resource to that goal and it was easy to be really good at that goal even if I wasn't, you know, even if all the little 1% things weren't as tied up into it Uh, and um yeah I just I think that was one of the big things there and I think it's true at that at that age of my life and you know um what I had done so far in training so at that point when I was when I was still competing 2016 2017 is really where I weaned off of that I mean I I competed I was getting ready to compete in 2018 but I broke my foot either way um you know I think leading up to that that year just as a side note yeah it was a good learning experience for me you know um but I appreciate that. I was sad for me too, but I also led to some really cool things. Um, So, and it's, it's funny. Like one of the lessons I learned there is that people are always like, Oh, you got to find the silver lining in it. And it's like, well, yeah, you have to actually practice, you know what it is? That fake until you make it, you have to practice that habit of finding a silver lining. You know, it's like you, you know, when I broke my foot, it was literally like, what the, you know, like, damn it. You know, I was so mad and frustrated and it's like, it, that process was me learning how to find silver lining. Like that, that whole. And, you know, if I told you it during that time, it's like, it's okay. There's a lot of good that's going to come of this. That wasn't me being honest. That was me being like, I'm just going to keep saying this until I can find a way to make it true. Yeah. And um, and I learned a lot from that, but um, you know, at that point, 2018, 2017, I had already had, let's call it, you know, 10 years of CrossFit training under my belt. Mm. Um, and so I think I had just like a lot of good habits built into me. i had built that hedge up, you know, I built that hedge up against, you know, sickness. Um, and so I had built enough up in one area, which was just through like the physical practice. I slept pretty well back then um, through the physical practice where it's like, you know, eating better, you know, emotional health, mental health could have been better. But the things I had already done had just built up so much momentum.
1: Yeah at that you, point you built a high octane engine machine yeah. that you just need to dump essentially, you just need to dump fuel into the thing and yeah. and then go about your day of training um and I think that that's the thing that you know in in that discussion that a lot of people probably when you're listening to that you go wow that's crazy like these guys aren't eating paleo these guys are eating bread like what like <laughs> but the amount that you guys were training and the fine tuned machine that you were putting out there is like, you, you just needed st- stuff in my opinion that probably just help you just go. Yeah. And it's funny to bring this. Cause I was listening to your chat with Gabe
2: mm. and you guys were talking about, you know, what do you think it is that, that, you know, people don't take eating sometimes more seriously or, or, you know, develop more helpful eating habits earlier on. And you guys, I, I totally agree. You said it's like a million different factors. I think one of the big factors is that like eating one pop tart doesn't kill you. And, um, you know, Mm. food is, you know, eating poor nutrition is a death by a thousand cuts that you don't realize until you're 60 or 50 or something like that for most people, you know, and I think that's super problematic. You know, if you, if it was like, Hey, if you eat pop-tarts for two years, you're going to have type two diabetes and you could likely die within the next five years. You know, it's not this like sudden acute impact. It's like this very slow drip. And so the reason I bring that up is like when I was competing you're right. I could just take in fuel, but I don't know, you know, if I'm just, you know, taking a giant dump in the gas tank like that, eating crappy food, even though I'm just trying to get calories in, I don't know what that, how that's going to impact me when I'm, when I'm older and definitely over the last couple of years, getting married, you know, settling down and finding, you know, friends who I'm like, you know, I really want to be like, Hey, I want to be friends with this person for, for as long as possible has really changed my outlook on what are the things that I can do now to live, um, as healthy as possible and hopefully increase my chances of having an active long life, not just a long life, but an act, you know, like one of my neighbors, I always think about, he, he lived until I think he was 82, but he was always active as long as I knew him. And I think I'm pretty sure he just dropped dead gardening, you know, like mm-hmm. he just went out doing, you know, he loved being active. He was like stubborn. Like I would always go over to, you know, I was like the little next door kid helping the grumpy old man move the furniture. And he always wanted to do it on his own. But. Um, I really admire seeing that now. And it's like, I want that to be my life. I don't want to have like this slow drip death, you know, being decrepit or, you know, I want to try and prevent that. And I think that's one of the reasons I pay attention to all of those things more now. And when you're a competitor, I think for a lot of people, you just don't see that. That's just not your goal. You know, it's like, what can I do to maximize my, my fitness right yeah. now?
1: hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're different goals. You're talking on one hand about longevity and health. And on the other hand, you're talking about maximizing performance, which are, are very different things. You know, I think the thing that gives you not only just the ability to eat like that, but like the need is that like you spent all those years essentially building a Ferrari, right? Like you had, like at one point you looked in front of you and you had all these pieces to put together a Ferrari. And for 10 years, you put the Ferrari together. Like you did all the shit that you needed to do to build a fucking high performance machine. And when you get to the racetrack It doesn't matter whether you're going to dump like the high test into that thing, or you're going to dump like the one level below the high test into the thing. Like that thing's just going to fucking go.
2: We're just going to go. Yeah.
1: But the issue is that I think a lot of people when they're presented with those car parts, quote unquote, at a very early age to build their machine, they just start dumping bad fuel into their body for 10 years and not running the Ferrari on the track to get it geared up, you know? So long winded way of saying like, Hey, listen, if you're out there listening to this and you go, well, Hey, you know, guys like rich or James or Matt, they, they eat whatever they want. Newsflash, you're not rich James or Matt. And you're not at that point in their life when they were training four or five, six hours a day.
2: Yeah. And I honestly, I look back on some of that stuff and you know, there are some things I'm like, I wish I had done X, Y, and Z, you know? And it's like, I think I could have squeezed out a little bit more if I had done this better and this better and this better um maybe you maybe know not yeah yeah and maybe that's the thing too like maybe not you know all those lessons unfortunately are hindsight bias but um, uh, you know it's it's a really interesting thing for me to think about it's been interesting for me to reflect on um so and, and i like i like the tools that i that i have now so you know circling back long story short um i'm gonna try the age group qualifi- i'm gonna try scare quotes the age group qualifiers i get pretty crazy when i compete so um you know I'll, I'll give, I'm going to, I'm I'm working a seminar that weekend, so we'll squeeze it in and make it happen. But, um, I am taking those a little bit more seriously than I, than I expected because originally I didn't even expect to be a master's, but I mm-hmm. am one. And I was always one of those guys. Um, you know, and again, I think, you know, just in a big philosophical sense, you can't, you gotta, you gotta know what you stand for. But I also think it's like life our lives are pretty long in relationship to us. They're not long in relationship to most of the things that occur on planet earth. Like the timeline for earth is enormous. Our lives are just a snapshot of that. But still it's like when you're in your twenties and you're saying things like, I'll never, I'll never compete masters. I mean, I was one of those guys. And now I'm like, and I know a lot of the guys who are you know really active, the guys over at the masters fitness collective mm-hmm. and the, the masters community is so cool. And it's a club. And when you're in it, they're so happy that you're in it. And, um, and now I'm like, this is real. I was talking to Dan Bailey and cause he's always, I think he's been on that fence too, about competing as a master's, you know, mm. it's like, and I get it, you know, I'm not the guy I was. I don't want to put myself out there in front of people and show them that I am less, you know, than the athlete I thought I was when I was in my twenties or whatever. Mm. But at the same time, I was like, I was like, you're right. You're not that person, but why would you want to be the same person you were five years ago What for whatever reason? And um and I was talking. To him, I was like, man, how fun would it be if we both made it and we're just at the games, throwing down, working out hard, and just having a blast? You know, like I I think it would be so fun. Yeah, um, I mean, that would probably so,
1: be so fun for you guys, and then every other fucking master who's out there is gonna be like, who the fuck let these guys in? Like, why I, why, are, why masters, is James Hobart and Dan Bailey out here working out next to me? Did they get the like the arena wrong? Are they supposed to be out there? <laughs> there's some fit
2: guys i mean kyle casterbauer in there is tearing oh it up God. yeah um, of course man yeah there's some there's some fit guys but yeah i think you gotta it's it's hard when you throw down those like i'll never do you know it's it's mm-hmm. when i look at i say things and then there are definitely some things where you draw a line of the sand but um you know something like that
1: well this it's is just, interesting it's funny it, it's interesting because you know guys like you who had such successful hall of fame types of CrossFit games careers, you know, Dan Bailey's another guy, like he, inarguable if there was a Hall of Fame for CrossFit, that he would be a first time inductee, right? Like the the shelf life that you guys can have after pinnacle performance, like if you're talking pinnacle performance, it, it probably, the window for that probably isn't super long. You know, let's say max, it's 10 years, right? Or maybe a little lower, pinnacle performance. But once you get over that hump, you get to the other side, you might not be at your 100% pinnacle, but maybe you're, you're at your 90, and that's still like crazy fit. Yeah. You're not going to go out there. It's not like putting a fighter into the ring who has reached his yeah. peak and is now on the decline, and it's going to be embarrassing. Like you guys have another 15, 20 years of working out at a incredibly high level.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I agree with that. And I definitely,
2: it took me a while to get to it's realizing that. It's one of the reasons I'm really bummed, Fraser. Uh, retired, but
1: um, you know, I respect. You think, I mean, he retired. I mean, for all intents and purposes, to go and do the things that all other normal human beings do, like enjoy life, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I I think so. You know, that's that's the vibe I get, and you know, uh, you know, I, I not that it matters, but I can respect his decision. But you know, I definitely think he's a guy that could still show up at, and I think if you are someone who's competed as well as he's had, you don't ever want to show up at ninety percent you know, you always want to be 110% of yourself, but, um, it'd be cool to still watch him show up at 90% and crush people. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I like that kind of stuff.
1: It's a really interesting, um, discussion or like, uh, kind of hypothetical situation because like, it seemed like he was the hands down favorite for as long as he wanted to be the hands down favorite, but, you know, we don't, and because he was so closed with his training for so many years. And if you think about it, like, even like in the space, I never really thought I didn't really pay too much attention to what people are doing or whatever, but you see other people post on Instagram and like, Oh, Hey, this is my training program. Hey, this is the recent lift that I hit. You never saw that stuff from that. Like you, and kind of smartly. So he just kept everything. He kept his cars hidden, played them close to the vest. But like, it's hard, it, like looking at it from a fan or outsider standpoint, you go, wow, oh, this guy retired when he was just mowing people down. Um, but there was so much stuff probably that he was giving up or we didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to each their own, man. Yeah.
2: Um, tons of that, t- tons of that stuff. And, and, um, but you know, it'd, be, it'd still be fun. I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, here's the deal. I think if Tia, you know, if Tia wins another, I think that gives her five. I think so. So, all we got to get, I think if Tia wins two, she'll get six. I think Matt will come back. Oh, wow. That's my guess. It, you heard it here first. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's funny is when
1: we were five's,
2: five's legit, and 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 Tia, Tia's, uh, you know, personally, you know, like she's, I think she might be my favorite crossfit games athlete to watch. Hmm. Um, far, you know, far her and Matt were, were far, but I don't know. I was, uh, just total tangent. But when I was at, uh, I think it was 2019 when they did that squat queen that everyone got mad about because they did all the cuts all weekend
1: oh, when yeah. tia
2: won that event and stood that squat clean up like i had never i've never felt like that felt in any crossfit games event that i've competed in i've watched i've been at like i literally thought that arena was just going to explode
1: well they didn't they beat the they beat the plan right they beat the weights that were planned to go i think, go out I, think there. I think they had to go above what the final weight was it was Tia yeah. and I forget who the other was it? Simon? Amanda barnhart I think. Oh, it was Amanda. It was Amanda. You're yeah. right. It was Amanda. That's a cool video. There's a cool video out there of those yeah. two going back and forth. Yeah. When and when Tia just stood that up with like just such
2: authority, you can't, you know, like authority and just like power and just like determination and confidence. Like if you're if you if you have a soul and a heart, like you can't just get fired up about that. Like it's yeah. it was awesome. But anyway, that's my prediction. You heard well, it here.
1: I'm gonna ask you a question. Um, you know, back in the day when we were both working at again faster and Rich won for the first time, mm-hmm. and then Rich wins the second time. It kind of sent like a shockwave, even though the games were super new at that point. His double, his back-to-back win, sent this like shockwave through. I remember it through the community. Everybody would be like, "You're not supposed to win this yeah. back-to-back. Like that's not supposed to be the case. You're supposed to like be tested essentially out of this thing. Like, hey, you win it one year. I'm not to say that's a fluke, but you were the fittest person that year." And then, you know, he won it again and again and again. And now we've had multiple people, you know, Matt and Tia dominate in a way that, you know, Rich was dominant. Matt arguably was more dominant. Tia arguably on her side of the equation is more dominant. Is there always going to be a Matt, a Tia, or a Rich who is just dominating this thing? And then everybody else is below the fold what do you think? Yeah. You
2: know, I, and I, I hope I, I hope I don't make any math nerds out there mad. And, and I say nerd in an affection way. I, I, you know, I wish you I love was math. I do. I love math. And I wish I was a thousand times better at it than I am now. And there's somebody out there who's like, you couldn't be a thousand times. That's mathematically possible, but, um, <laughs> that's a math. Nerd. I, I think statistically, um, I think statistically it's harder for the repeats to occur. And harder is not the right word to describe, but it's, it's statistically less likely, I think, for repeats to occur than to have somebody different, which I think is really interesting and makes the repeats even cooler. But someone should check my math on that out there. Mm. Um, it's definitely so I think
1: statistically it's, harder.
2: Is it definitely? I, I'm not going to commit to that. I'll let you get the hate mail for that. But um, No,
1: 100% <laughs> has to be statistically harder because if you well, say, there you that, go. hey, we're going to put these 100 athletes into in through these tests and you're it depends on how you're grading the things that go into them and what your like weight is for Matt versus your weight is for the hundredth athlete. Of course, like if Matt's yeah. rated a hundred in Madden and your hundredth athletes rated zero <laughs> and everybody else is rated zero, <laughs> and Matt's always going to win. But yeah. if you said that they are on relatively equal playing fields and then you put them through these tests, you're going to get a different answer nearly every time. But the fact that you have Matt Tia, people like Rich who just, are crazy outrageously above where everybody else is you know if they're like outliers I think so um and I I like I like
2: seeing that just because I I think it's unlikely but it has been something really unique to to um our sport at CrossFit so I don't know what's going to happen in these these next couple of years you know mm-hmm. but
1: it is well, exciting we will see we, will see. We'll, we know that we're going to have some hard-fought master's competition out there with James (laughs) and Dan but um (laughs) we'll see I got I still got a big step to go and those 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 mass Masters
2: are so strong you know that's what I that's like the one fitness area that has not gotten like I think my Cindy is better now than it (sighs) than it was when I you know and it's like that kind of stuff I know my running is better but I look at how strong some of these, these masters are old guys. I call them. I am one of them now, but even as you look up in the master's ranks, like I look at their lifts and I'm like, what are you, what are you guys doing? You know, just like chasing kids around the house, wearing a weight vest, doing back, just heavy back squats all day. Um,
1: this is years and years of holding, lifting heavy stuff. objects, you know? Yeah. Have you can't substitute for it. You know, this is a funny kind of sidebar. Um, when we were in college, I was a senior in college. I had a landlord named William Wallace. And okay yeah, for sure. Like William Wallace. He was a weird guy, but he was like 80 years old, man. This guy could like, he was decrepit, could hardly walk, but you look at him and he was like sturdy. Like this man was a brick shit house for 80 years old or whatever. And we all live in this like um college house, you know, typical two-story, you got the the porch on the front. And it's all guys who were training really hard and lifting. We're going to the wreck every day. And we had a sink that uh, for some reason, like it, it couldn't shut off. Right. And we had to call the landlord we called William Wallace and he's all aggravated. He had to come by. So he walks into the house. He like hobbles to the bathroom. Like we've tried everything. We had wrenches, we had our hands. Like we were, we're just trying to shut this thing off. It's flooding. William Wallace comes in and he like is growling or snarling makes a remark and this guy just fucking twists the thing with his gnarled hand and just turns the metal and the steel and everybody in the bathroom's like holy crap like no substitute <laughs> for william wallace type of thing like this guy exactly just the sink apart exactly right? yeah man um hey i want to pull the chrome off of it yeah he uh, ridiculously strong um we're talking about this whole, like, uh, staying in shape, being in shape. And, you know, obviously we're talking about a level of being in shape, which is astronomically high when you're talking about elite CrossFit games performance, but I'm interested in your thoughts. And, um, you know, I recently entertained a discussion about this on our, uh, Facebook page for the uh, NC fit collective. Um, what is your, what's the, what are your thoughts on coaches who are, let's just call them kind of classically out of shape. And I'm not trying, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus when I'm saying this, but let's think about um, a coach who might be out of shape for whatever reason that, you know, they are not progressing forward or they're just, they're just in a place right now, which is not great health and fitness wise. And I just want to start there. I don't want to put any assumptions into anybody's mind about X, Y, or Z. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit about this idea of coaches and being in or out of shape. Yeah.
2: No, man, you know, I know we had, we had, we'd kind of thought about this, you know, before, before rolling on here. And um, I have a pretty strong feeling about this, I think. And you know, personally, I, you know, I've gone through ups and downs of this on both, you know, my, my seminar staff career being an affiliate. And, um, recently, you know, I, I had, um, I had met a, I met a young lady and she was told by coach, you know, a different gym she had worked at. She was told by, I think the head coaches there, the owners there that, that they didn't want her to be a coach because she didn't look a certain way. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, because of her athletic ability or because of her weight. Yeah. And like this, like threw me into a maniacal rage because I, you know, I think I don't know, that's such a, it's just a slippery and dangerous slope. And I don't need to go into all the reasons why it is to, for someone to have that attitude. But, you know, for me, it's just, it's just honest consistent effort and participation in the program. Mm. I think that's really important because I, you know, I think one of the, the things is like, it leads to this idea of like, oh, if you're not Matt Fraser, you can't coach people. And, and I think that's, you know, not the case. You know, I've, I've had some of the best coaches I had have, have ever had were not the fitted. Mike Bergner, you know, and I'm sure, you know, he has been fit at different points in his life. Um, and he still is, you know, considering his age. But, um, you know, it's like when he was teaching me to lift, he couldn't lift what I was lifting. Mm but he had an immense impact on my coaching style, on my athletic performance. Yeah. He was what I would call a great, you know, like he was how I carried myself outside of the gym. He was a great coach. Mm. Um, And so, you know, like that attitude of like, well, if you, you know, if you, if you weigh too much, if, if you're not strong enough, if you can't do a muscle up, you can't be a coach. I think that's a really, really dangerous, slippery slope. Cause I was, you know, I couldn't do a muscle up. I was a bad mover when I, when I first started CrossFit. Um, you know, I was a skinny little kid when I first started CrossFit. I still I'm pretty skinny, you know, like you'd look at that. You're like, he, that guy's not going to lift that much. What could he teach me? Um, and I, you know, it's one of the things I think is really charming and special and important about our trade and our, you know, endeavor and fitness is, you know, it's, it's the, The performances are cool. The PRs are rad, but it's the effort that sets people apart. And I think the same thing. I think if you're a coach um, who can put in honest, consistent effort, you know, and show everyone else that you're participating in the program the same way that you're asking them to participate as far as um, being in or out of shape, I think that's really important. But I also think too, you know, this is from my own, you know, I, I was, when I stopped competing, I didn't work out for like three months. That's really
1: interesting to me. And we've, uh, I want you to continue. I want to come back to that at some point, but keep going. But,
2: you know, and, and even after that, like I had this really like slow, like sputtering start Mm -hmm. to get back to working out. And I was very inconsistent. The one thing I did do, and you know, I I thank Cassandra for this. She was like, you got to start coaching again. And um, I did, I started coaching again, but when I started coaching again, there was a long period of time where like, I just wasn't working out consistently and um you know, regardless of what my fitness accolades are there, it not participating in the program in the way that I was asking other people to do, it, it really started to bum me out. And I think that's another reason that it's important, you know, because it's like if you're coaching somebody and you're not, you know, practicing this lifestyle, I think at some point, you know, that that dissonance, you know, that's going to wear you down. And it's a, it's a moment for reflection, you know. Yeah. And I'm not like, again, I'm not saying you need to look a certain way um, or anything like that. But I do think it's, you know, it's important to participate in what you're teaching others to do. And yeah. I, th- I, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's crucial. I think if you're someone who just shows up and you're like, yeah, I don't work out. I don't, why I don't want to follow this stupid diet. These workouts are dumb. Like, what are you doing coaching these people? You know, it's like, well, so that, I guess, I guess that's my view on it.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing. Um, you know, I, I want to make something abundantly clear. And this is something that you, you said early on, and you, you mentioned actually a couple of times as you were going through there. First of all, anybody who tells somebody else they can't coach or do anything based on how they look, you can get the fuck out of here <laughs> right now, like yeah, immediately. That First of all, that is everything that's wrong with everything that's going on in yeah. every sense of the word. So I don't even really want to address how patently fucking ridiculous anything like that that gets <laughs> said to anybody else is. Yeah, That person who says that should hang their shit up immediately (laughs) and go and do something else. I agree with you a hundred percent when it comes to, I don't give a, I don't care what you look like coming into this. What I care about is the effort that you're going to put into this and how you care for the athletes, care for yourself, care for the gym, care for the environment, care for the community and do all of those things. It is really important to me, though, that coaches are representative of yeah. the health and fitness journey and of the program in a way that we can all be proud of. Because like you were saying there at the end, you, doing this and investing your time and your energy into coaching, but then also actively pushing the ball the other way in your own life, its that's a really tough example to set. And you can't judge anybody on the surface by how they look. If that's what you're trying to figure out, like you can't look at somebody and go, well, that person doesn't care about their health and fitness and their well-being or whatever. Like, no, you can't do that. But that coach knows. And then the, the, the person who's the other people who are around that coach and the owner, and those people can be the support system to help that individual get to a place that they are comfortable with and, you know, move their health and fitness journey forward. I think that that's what's important in the representation of the program in a way that people can be proud of.
2: Yeah, no, I I like that too. Like you said, just moving that forward. And like I said, the participation thing is, is really crucial. And, um, and yeah, and, and everybody looks different when they start their fitness journey. Like, and everybody come, you know, like I started my fitness journey in a different place than, than my mom and a different place than some of my friends. And, um, yeah. that stuff that, that gets me really frustrated, but I, you know, I do vibe with that idea as like, you know, quote, you know, scare quotes in shape. Yeah. It's like, I think coaches should be, you know, stay trying to stay in shape, you know, in the program. And what I mean that, you know, just is no more than participating regularly in the program, you know, showing others that they're going through the same, you know, difficulties and then experiencing the same successes that come along with, you know, having a physical endeavor, having some nutritional approach, you know, whatever it is, I, I do think that's crucial. And, um, you know, at the same time, it's like, I get worried that there are people out there who do have that, like, Hey, I'm going to coach, but I'm not going to, I'm going to admonish, you know, with, the, I don't do this stuff, you know, like, I don't, why would I
1: care about this? Or, yeah. the, those I think that's are, really bizarre. Yeah. The, both of those scenarios are no good. The, yeah. the, the, judging of somebody on how they look and whether or not they can be a good coach we've talked about that that's obviously no good the no matter and also no matter what the fuck you look like it is it's the agnostic of what you look like if you're someone who's coaching out there and you're actively talking against that talking against fitness or health or proper nutrition or whatever like that's also bad i'm not going to say equally as bad but it's also bad like you shouldn't be doing that either you know the um it's it this is it's an interesting one for me because it, it, there's a lot of emotion that gets wrapped up in this and you know this is a topic that you know i think right now with all the stuff that's going on in our greater world and looking at the importance of health and fitness and nutrition and making sure that we are personally fortified against things that might happen that we don't that we can, can't control i do think it's particularly important that coaches remain a beacon of health and fitness and showing people the light and you know that can look and take many forms Um, but I I do want to underscore that because I do think that I posted something the other day about coaches out there not maybe not taking their role as seriously as they they might be able to or could do and you know um, just being a coach is so much more than that and I think that you know. Living the insp- living and being the inspiration for other people is—it's tremendously meaningful.
2: Yeah. Now we've talked about this a lot, you know, and it's and, and, and you know, it's, I always I tell people, you know, recently I was like, it's just like we have a we have a compassion and empathy deficit in the world right now, you know, oh, and 100%. and and it's just being it's being exemplified for for various reasons and highlighted and exacerbated. That's what I'm looking for for various reasons and. You know, I think if you're a coach who says, I'm just a coach, I think you have a compassion and empathy deficit for yourself. You know, it's, um, and that stuff, and it bums me out too, just because I've put a lot of personal time into my own coaching career. So maybe it's a selfish approach to say to someone who says, I'm just a coach. I'm like, no, don't look at it that way. But like you said, that being said, I think everything gets better when you, you take yourself seriously enough, you know, um, you, you, you have that idea, you recognize your own impact with, with humility, right? It's like, no, you know, it's like if you're coaching in a gym regularly, you probably have a really big impact on, on people's day on a regular basis. And you, that's probably really important to them. Now, you can't assume that you, you are the most important part of their day or that you can fix all of their problems in that hour. But if they keep showing up, you know, there is something that you're doing mm. or helping provide them or guiding them through or coaching them through. That's really important to them. And so it's like, you're not, I mean, you are a coach, but you're not just a coach. You do a lot more. And also I think that, and we've talked about this a lot, when you take that attitude of I'm just a coach, you have now put a ceiling on your personal professional um, development. And that's, that's a bummer. Cause I, you know, the people who I've been coached at by who are the best coaches I've ever had, I look at all of their skill set and the magnitude of, of how those skills are represented and I'm like wow there are so many things you do incredibly well that probably took a lifetime to build and you don't get to that point if you sit there and you're like ah, I'm just a coach yeah. you know and it's like ah it's a bummer because I think it's it's more restrictive on yourself for sure rather, you know than anything else yeah but i know yeah uh,
1: no i think that's a, a great point i think it's it's devaluing the profession. It's, it's devaluing your own worth within the profession. It's devaluing the time that people and money that people are spending with you to be in the gym with you three, four times a week. You know, if you just look at it from a math perspective, uh, I am not a math nerd. I was terrible at math, but this is simple math. I can do this one. If you're coaching somebody at three times a week for an hour, every week you buy a, country mile are the most important health and fitness influencer in their life. There's nobody else who gets time with them like that, like you do. Yeah. And, uh, that's really, really critical.
2: Yeah. You might even see somebody more than they see their friends. You know, I I think that's my, my uncle always said to me, my granduncle. he would say there's an art to everything. And I think this came up once when I was, I was like taking out the trash at his house and I, I didn't do it. He was a really interesting guy, but there's an art to everything. And I was like taking out the trash and I was just kind of being sloppy with it. And I just, you know, threw it outside and I was like, who cares? It's just trash. And he told me that. And that's a really cool idea. Like, cause it gives you the opportunity to be just really great at things you do. And I, there's so much value in that pursuit of getting better at things regardless of what it is. And I think too, it gives you a lot of respect for people who are great at any job. Like, yeah, it's really like an amazing cardio, you know, you know, cardio, uh, cardiologist or cardiovascular surgeon, it's amazing that they do is amazing, but it's like, you know, and they spend a lot of time to get there, but someone else who is great at something that might not look as fancy. Maybe you have someone who's just an amazing, you know, sales associate who who works in a grocery store or something like that. And, you know, that person is gregarious and touching every people's lives and remembers people's names and does it, you know, it's like, you can be, there's excellence in every job. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you, you, just take that assumption of even, even in coaching falls into that too. If you take that assumption of just a coach, man, you limit yourself and, and, um, that's a bummer. That's Don't a really, do that people.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> That's a really cool lesson that your, your grand uncle, um, taught you. And, you know, obviously I'm a huge believer in the, the axiom, how you do anything is how you do everything. And, yeah. um, there's so much, so much good work to be done there. I want to change gears a little bit here with you, James, and and talk about something that um, I know is near and dear to your heart and near and dear to my heart as well. And this is this idea of scaling or adjusting workouts. And I want to particularly talk about where and how did this get so fucking taboo that
2: Hmm.
1: scaling workouts is looked at as being a – being lesser, being – lesser than whatever is written yeah what what's going on here
2: i mean i think it might be but you know it's the the denotation of the word scaling tells us that it's it's something different or less than a standard perhaps or just not even less than but different than a standard i think so it starts there and then the connotation i think has just become that scaling is less than rx um so some of it just might be the language used a lot of it, I really think comes from the implementation and the the mismatch that the goal of doing a fitness program, CrossFit, or any fitness program is to do it RX, is to do it written. And that's not the goal of CrossFit. I think, I think people have forgotten that the goal of CrossFit is to become fitter. And you know, it's I've talked about this and I share it with my athletes and my clients and other coaches. It's like, and I say this too in my my affiliate the athletes who scale most often and listen to us when they sh- need to scale in order to hit the stimulus or target a weakness mm. by far in a way have seen more results more improvement more fitness gains than the athletes who just come in and are the rx diehards mm. you know you know rx you know de- rx or die um, <laughs> you know and i was that guy for a while i was like i, I ain't scaling shit and, you know, I don't know if that's ego or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but um, you know, that's, that's part of it. So yeah, I think I, that's, that's a huge, huge, huge part of it. Um, you know, and, and I am like, I want to go on like this. I want us to like a campaign. I want us to go on like a take back the scale campaign. Cause yeah. it's an, you know, I look at it, it's just tools. Like if I, you know, if I consistently look at my whiteboard at my gym and if everyone's RX, I know I got to change some.
1: Yeah.
2: It, everyone's rx and hitting the stimulus the, the the intent of the workout and i also know if, if everyone is always scaling workouts i probably have to change something so it for me it, selfishly it's like having that information is for me and i also know if i see someone who's like always rx and they're always dead last i need to go have a convo with that person mm. and if someone's scaled all the time and they're always the best score in class i could probably go knock on their door and say Hey, are you ready to add two and a half halfs to that barbell? You want to add a couple extra reps? Like, I think you're ready for it. Yeah. You're nailing this. So I think they're essential tools to what they do. I, I don't know why it's become taboo, man. It, it breaks my heart, but, um, you know, I, I also think they're really useful tools for our program. So I'm not willing to be like, and I know people are like, well, let's just change what we call them. And I'm like, okay, we can try that for a while, but I think the same problem will still persist, um, unless the coach does something about it,
1: mm. you know? Yeah, no, I know, I know. Um, so I agree with you that there's the denotation, which is, this is an old trick I learned, I think from my mom, denotation is the dictionary definition, right? Yeah. Connotation is what it is, have what it has reference to in conversation, maybe more culturally, right? What like the, uh, the understood uh, informal definition. So like, I do think that the connotation of scaling has maybe gone too far to be saved. Um, where, you know, I think for so many years, a lot of people, and, you know, maybe you and I, when we were younger coaches or athletes participated in some of this stuff, you know, I'm not pointing the blame at other people, but I do think that maybe you rewind the clock 10 years ago, or whatever, and you start looking at some of the language that is used around going RX and the need to go RX and the ego that's driven behind this desire to go RX. And, you know, if I'm not going RX, it's, it's not the workout. Um, I, you know, I think that kind of stuff over the course of many years, probably built up this taboo about adjusting workouts to make them appropriate for the person who's doing. And that's really all that we're talking about when we're talking about (laughs) scaling. We're just talking about taking text that's on paper or on a screen and making changes to that to make it appropriate for the person who is doing the workout. And, you know, this is not something that's black and white for me, where it's like always adjust or always uh, do the workout as written. Um, yeah, you know, there's gr- there's gray in this conversation, and there's conversation that needs to be happening between the athlete and the coach about, hey, th- these are the reasons why we might adjust this workout. These are the reasons why you might be able to get after this workout as prescribed. These are the reasons why on today's workout, even though it might look like you need to adjust this one, I actually want you to try it as prescribed, and we're going to do X, Y, or Z towards the end of the workout or per specific cap or whatever. Like there's a lot of nuance in this, but, you know, I think the main point of this topic is that it's insane that adjusting workouts is looked at as being lesser.
2: Yeah. It's definitely something we got to work against. Yeah. And I'm probably guilty of that too. Like I know when I came in, I was like that, I was that guy. I was like, I'm always going to do RX. Cause that's the tough thing to do. That's what we should do. And, the- but, um, you know, I, I've definitely learned, and one of the things I try and do at my gym is like, you know, I kills me the people the scale uppers, the RX plussers. <laughs> Come on, guys, um, that's scaling, and it does, and that's the thing is like, so if I do a workout at my gym, for example, like I don't do um, a ton of kipping handstand pushups anymore. Um, I'll do more like if they're kipping in a workout, like I'll usually, you know, I'll do them sometimes, but I'll usually put in strict. Mm-hmm. And if I do strict handstand pushups in a kipping handstand pushup workout, I go up on the board and I don't write RX. I write scale. Hmm. Like that's cause I scaled the work, I changed it from what was written. And that, you know, that's the, I think that's the, that's the most and the least that the tool does. It just gives you that, that education of, you know, did you do it different than what was written on the board? You yeah. know, it's like, if it's 5k run and I decide to do a 5k row, well, I scaled the workout, hmm. you know, and for whatever reason. Um, but I think it's important for coaches to lead from the front in that way. And, you know, it's like, it's funny because like if you have somebody who's doing rx plus you know like that just is that's a scale it's just a scale in a different direction but no one would ever they just want that badge of like i did it no negative connotation there yeah yeah no negative content which i get like you want to have that feeling of accomplishment and achievement but i think as coaches we can deliver that to our athletes in the way we speak to them about what just happened in the workout rather than just with a you know a written signifier of what's going on on the board so
1: yeah no dude i I like this conversation a lot. And, uh, you know, I appreciate every time we're able to, to sit down and have an extended conversation on coaching and training. You know, one of the things that I do also want to make clear here is that I really do empathize with people who come into the gym every day for whether it's weeks or months or years on end and feel like they never get that win of I did today's workout without adjusting it, without making some sort of alteration yeah. to it. And I do, it, it's, It's on the coach to educate their members enough to understand, first of all, that adjusting the workout or scaling the workout, whatever terminology you want to use, we use adjusting at NC fit. We don't, I don't like to use the word scaling anymore because of the connotation, neither here nor there on the language, but it's on the coach to educate the members, not just one time, but constantly about, Hey, the reasons and the value of adjusting workouts is X, Y, and Z. And it's not bad. It's not taboo. It's not, this is just what we all do. I adjust workouts, right? That's one thing. I think the other thing is having the awareness of, of seeing somebody who is adjusting a lot of workouts on a regular basis and finding out how to give that person wins, whether or not, if they need wins, you have to figure out how to get them wins. If they're cool with the process and they're enjoying it and they're having fun, you can read it. You don't have to necessarily Get in there and, and give them wins. You're probably already doing that already, but like, you know, the the people who get sluggish or their shoulders start to slump, or you start to see the look in their face, and then all of a sudden they're like, "I gotta adjust this workout again, man." Like that. Yeah. You have to have empathy for that situation where give that person a win every now and again. And I think if you do have well varied
2: program programming, you should have a handful of workouts throughout the year where like everyone can do them. Rx. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be something like you know, amrap seven burpees is a workout that everyone could do RX. I mean, there are other, there are plenty of other examples that aren't as simplistic as that one, but I do think that's an important thing too. Like if your programming is just ass kicking beat down after ass kicking beat down, you know, it's like, what, you know, I I don't think that's, I don't think that's the goal either. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a ton on this one. You know, I I feel pretty strongly about it. Um, you know, I'd like to think we do a good job of of applying it, but any, the empathy piece is really important to just stop, stop and remember, like, hey, like for someone to feel consistently like they are different is hard for them sometimes. You know, it's just hard. It's just hard. And it's like you said, you got to tie into like, where can we give them wins and um, help them be empathetic and help them stay positive and share with them our experience or find someone who can, you know, help identify with them. Yeah. So yeah, the the coaches out there who are, you know, saying that scaling is bad,
1: get out of here. Get out of here. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Um, You articulated the goal of CrossFit before in a way that I—it's you—you simplified it. You—you made it very simple. Obviously, there's the definition of what CrossFit is, and you know, you and I have both. uh, You said that definition many times in various capacities. But enlighten me a little bit more about like what's the goal of doing these varied workouts these intense workouts these workouts that have functional movements in them what's what's the goal right
2: well, I mean honestly I think the goal is just for a long slow climb to to you know the distant horizon of, of improved physical capacity or maintaining as much physical capacity as you can for as long as you can I mean I really think that's what it is and you know I think as fitness coaches or at least with CrossFit, one of the things I always liked about CrossFit is we know our role in the sense that there are lots of different ways to improve somebody's life. Mm. There are lots of ways to make your life better. We are experts on using movement, functional movement and different functional movements on a regular basis in order to achieve that. I mean, we have a really this awesome core belief that says, you know, if you improve your physical capacity, regardless of how much over a long term, or you maintain as much physical capacity, no matter how much over a long-term you'll have a better quality of life. Like we believe that, like that's our, we are invested in believing that I agree to it. Um, I don't think my life would be as great if I didn't have the physical capacity I did now. Um, There are also other things in my life that if I didn't pay attention to, regardless of my physical capacity being great, when I was a competitor, this is a really good example um, that could also bring my quality of life down, you know, but um, I, that's one of the things I really like about CrossFit is, you know, I, we, I think I believe that we really stay, stay in our lane and that's not to say that there aren't other tools a coach should, should develop and learn, um, you know, other emotional empathetic tools, nutrition tools, but you know, the the simplest tool we can start with and what our charter really is, is like, Hey, you improve your fitness, your work capacity. Um, we believe your quality of life will get better too. And I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of how I see it.
1: No, it, It it does. I I think that that's a really great way to answer the question because, you know, I think for, for me here, you know, I've, I've recently been reflecting on a, on a long career of doing fitness, like doing CrossFit functional style training, coaching it, participating in workouts, been around for a while. You've been around equally, if not longer. And, you know, there's, in some senses, it has given me so like we were just talking about, it has given me so much physical capacity to be able to do things that I probably wouldn't have been able to do otherwise, and didn't have to worry about certain things. And, you know, I had a great community and lots of friends and, you know, a career and all this stuff. It's given me a ton. It's given me a ton. The thing that I have a little bit of regret about, and I don't have a ton of regret about it, but I wish I could go back in time and maybe educate myself and my members just a little bit more about w- would be the ability to take some of that fitness, some of this gift of fitness that these workouts elicit and go out there and do some other fucking shit with it. Like yeah, go man. out there and, and play and climb mountains and travel. And and I've done a lot of those things, but I also have done a lot of working out for working out's sake, sake, right? Yeah. No,
2: man, I, I, it's so funny you say, that. I don't blame you either. And I think this is, you know, you go, you go read, you know, like original CrossFit text and, you know, learn and play new sports. You know, the point of coming in the gym is to live your life better outside of the gym. I'm like, that stuff's been baked into our methodology forever. For sure. The, the catch 22 of CrossFit is that for some reason, it's so fucking fun to be in a gym working out with the communities that develop inside of crossfit gyms and i know there are other fitness communities out there like that i'm not saying that's like something we invented and it's unique to us but it's just i was i I love skiing i love mountain biking when i got involved in crossfit i whole stop whole whole stop stop that stuff yeah and um and it's like and now i'm getting back into it and i just think it's because you know you that that which i do still you know CrossFit still supports all that. You just, your, your view of intensity and your view of variance and your view of, you know, fitness is just bigger. You know, we talk about variance. It's like, that's a really broad category. When we talk about relative intensity, that's a really broad category. And like intensity doesn't just mean absolute intensity, because if it did, if we said, Hey, you should only do those things that are the highest absolute intensity, all we would do all the time is Tabata air squats. You know, like, I don't, that's it. You know, it's Fran like you do it. Again. to bot- Yeah, you do friend every day. Um, but the variance piece is huge. And I I love hearing that, you know, like, you know, and I've had friends. I met this kid once. He's like, yeah, I come into CrossFit because I, I, I'm i in an ultimate Frisbee league and I play in a, in a basketball league and I just use this to stay in shape for that. And I was like, that guy's the dream. I mean, he's it. Right. Because um, that's, and, you know, and the people who are like, oh, yeah, I do this so I can, you know, I don't know pick my kids up or when you're talking about I'm outside of the gym, I see you doing like the rucks and I see you doing other stuff and you, you know, you're, you're getting on the, the Peloton. And, and I mean, that's, that's the broadness of the variance piece there. And, and that's the, you know, the life outside of the gym and, and there's nothing wrong with being tunnel vision and, and being inside of the gym and loving that. Cause it is really fun. Like I oh, get man, it guys. Yeah. That's why I've done it for 14. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board, but um, there, it, it's, it's cool when you have that, just that sort of evolution to take the skill you know, I mean, that's, that's when you start practicing the mastery, right? That's the evolution to take the skill outside of the gym.
1: Yeah, no, that's a very strong point. It's, it's very fun. And you are around like minded people, you get to be around (laughs) other really great, amazing human beings who are doing amazing things. Like, you know, even as I'm having this conversation with you, I'm thinking back to, you know, I was just a little shrimp on the CrossFit New England team. But you know, we would have team training sometimes on Saturdays or Sundays, or potentially both days. And you know, you'd show up to the gym early with a cup of coffee in your hand. And it would, that was, that was the deal. Like that was like, it was the best place to be because that was where all your friends were. That's what everybody was doing. You know, now as I'm older, 37, um, you know, I'm looking at participating in other things, jujitsu, Peloton, hiking, rucking, all that kind of stuff. And like, I don't know, it would be really hard to compare where I'm at now. And I'm comparing where I'm at now and looking back and going like, Oh, I should have done X, Y, or Z. That's always, it's always easy to look back 2020 hindsight, but it would be very (laughs) tough if I told MDV in 2010 or 2012 or whatever. And MDV in 2021, I was like, Hey, who make the decision? I don't know who would who would choose which or the other because fuck training for hours on end when we were younger and yeah crossing New England was fun as hell.
2: I think the fact that you're at the point to make that decision and recognize that the two are different is what's important. You know, I was talking to uh, Ben uh Ben Alderman. Oh Ben's um, a good dude. Yeah, and I was talking, he's telling me, Oh, I celebrated my 15th, this is a while ago, 15th anniversary with my wife and we were chatting about, I said, that's really cool. And he said, you know, someone asked me, what's it like being married to the same person for 15 years? And his response was one of those moments where I was like, got my notebook out. I'm going to write that shit down. (laughs) You know, it was just, it was was really beautiful. And he says, you know, he said, I told him, I said, he said, I'm not married to the same person I was 15 years ago. And I was like, God damn. And and he said, he said, and he said, neither of us would want to be married to this to each other in the same exact persons 15 years ago. And I was like, that's so smart and that's so insightful. And it's like, it's not that you're a totally different, you know, every part of you is different, but you are a more evolved, more mature. You might have, you know, you have added stuff on, maybe taken away some things, you know, to your personality, to your habits. And I was like, that's such a, like, just a massively profound view of life. And I think same thing there. It's like, you know, I I think about that a lot. Like, am I the James Hobart in, in 2014, you know, because there's so much I admired physically about that guy, and it's like, well, no, I'm not. I mean, at the same time, I'm really grateful I'm not. I'm grateful that I can say that I'm not that person. And I think the fact that you can have that conversation of which Matt would I choose, the fact that you can even have that insight, I think, is absolutely crucial, and in my opinion, significant in terms of identifying a, a better quality of life. Um, because if you were like, yeah, I'm no different than I was 14 years ago, 10, you know, I'd be like, ah, oh, man. I think there's something to take a look at there. I won't say it's bad, but I was like, you should probably take a a deeper look at that. So, you know, hats off to Ben and and you for having those insights, but I'm on
1: board with that. More so hats off to Ben for, uh, for that line that I'm going to steal for the next 30 years of my life.
2: He said, I think about that all of the time. You know, it's like, that was one of those pieces of
1: advice. Like I said, I was like,
2: yep, that'll that's going to find a nice little place in my brain.
1: Yeah. First of all, Ben Alderman is, um, not only is he an amazing human being, an amazing athlete, no, but like, isn't it just like blow your mind when somebody says something to you like that, where it's like, you, I wonder, wasn't even thinking on that level. I didn't know I was capable of being. there. Yeah, that was and I'll there. I won't forget. It was the 2019
2: games. We were, we were sitting there, we were watching, we were just watching events. We were out there in the in Madison at the, the, the turf field yeah. in the stands, just chatting. I'll never forget that hot sun was out. It was hot. And he said that. And I was like, Whoa your brain just you know, melted like, out of your
1: ears. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I don't want to get all like, you know, like mystical about it, but it was like, you know, it's this little spark mm-hmm. of this intervention for a moment in, in, in our lives, but it was really cool.
1: That is really cool. I think that's yeah. a good place to, to wrap things up here today, James. You know, i got a couple of other things here on the list, but let's save them for another day and another conversation. I always love chatting, coaching, training, fitness with you, James. And, uh, any last words here before we sign off?
2: No man, super super grateful. Um, I know we didn't get to touch on everything you wanted to, so maybe that gets me an invite back. Um, oh, I always have an invite, and I like when we agree. But uh, I'm I'm waiting for us to have a good old fashioned little mental tug of war too, because I like that. But um, yeah, man, I always love talking to you, Matt. So thank you.
1: Anytime, James. I would love to to chat, and you know whether or not it's we have some nice memories of the CrossFit New England days past, or we're going to go toe to toe on some uh, uh fit approaches to fitness and coaching. Uh, you're one of my favorites, James, you're an incredible coach you're an inspiration to me always will be. And I just appreciate you being in my life as a friend. So James Hobart, everybody have a great day, James. Thank you, man. See ya.